The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord comes and tests them. He weighs the hearts. It's the greatest thing in life to be able to come to God so that he can show us where we stand. We're given given an opportunity to change. A child that has a parent that doesn't care to discipline the child and instruct the child, take the time to nurture the child in the ways of righteousness, it's not only a shame, it's a it's a great regret and immeasurably damaging to that child without having the parent as a resource and as a loving father or mother to guide them in the way everlasting. We have the honor of being God's children. We're not the children of some God, some idol, or some spirit somewhere. We're not called to be gods ourselves. But there is a God in heaven who's created all things for his own good pleasure, created the times and seasons, has a purpose for everything under the sun. That almighty God is our Father, and he always tells us the truth and he always lets us know where we stand such a good God so long as we are sincere we can expect God to speak to us and if sincerity is such a fundamental thing it's so pivotal that it cannot be ignored And the only way we can get the definition of true sincerity is from the Bible. Because everyone's definitions of different virtues and good and bad, right and wrong, good and evil, what's supposed to be moral, what's not moral, we get it from God. He has the truth. When we look at the Word of God and we come to God, He will measure and test our integrity. There are the students who would like to go to classes and join the schools where it's easy and where teachers may not even give examinations. And uh, they're just expected to show up you see different standards in different school systems, different locations. And everyone has their reasons. There are a group of people who say that they don't believe testing is good. It puts too much pressure on the child and it doesn't really test the total 
capacity, academic ability of the child, and we can base the achievement or ability by a few tests. And there are those who say that you must have examinations because you cannot actually as accurately assess what they have gained unless there are examinations or tests. In the Bible is four tests because unless it is tested, how can we know what it is? God doesn't say, here's a project for you to do and do it any way you want. There's no right or wrong answer. So long as you do it, and you come. But God is the truth. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For those who are searching over the Himalaya mountains, Himalayas, those who go to the edges of the earth, the corners of the world, many a person has traveled seeking truth, life, happiness, purpose, and they continue to travel and they continue to be disillusioned because they never can find truth and everywhere they go it seems everyone has their own version of what the truth is. Not only objective truth but everyone has their own understanding of who is true and how true one is. And that's another confusion. On the one hand, they may be seeking the ultimate truth somewhere in the universe. On the other hand, they may think that they have a measure of it and maybe a great deal of truth when another person comes along and says, no, no, that's not the truth. You've got it all wrong. I have the truth. We can have millions of people with different truths. But if they actually had truths, then it wouldn't be contradicting each other. We can trust the living God to come and tell us the truth about how we stand and where we are. When I say, Lord, you know how honest I've been. You know I'm good. I have a good heart. If we invite the Lord to come and examine us, He'll tell us how honest we really are, whether we are honest or not. And if we're honest, then in what areas we're honest and what areas need to be worked on where repentance is necessary because he wants us to be totally honest. So it's a verse, again, we come back to as we dealt with the other day, but today perhaps from another angle, slightly. Every way of a man or woman for that matter or child is right in whose eyes? In his own eyes, her own eyes. But the Lord weighs the hearts. Now who's right? God or me? God or you? God is always right. Not because he has the power to force his case, but because he is by nature, true in truth. 
the person that keeps coming to God every day, continues to consult with the Lord, continues to reject the popular approach of this world, which is as long as you feel good about yourself and you think you're good and you, you're doing things that make you appear to be good and other people, other people tell you you're good, then everything's fine. But when the Spirit of God comes, He really uncovers deficient. God happens to come and give us the truth, the whole truth. The benefit, the supreme benefit of this is I can get into a position where I'm honoring to the Lord. And when we are honoring to the Lord, when we're holy and we are getting closer to the Lord, we become a threat to the devil and he also loses ground. So it's not simply a philosophical base on which to make sure I'm covering the basis, so to speak. I want to have integrity. I might as well ask the Lord to test me and then I can know I'm right. The effects of being right with God are so powerful that the prayers become effective. When the petitioning happens before the Lord, we go, we have an audience with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have an access because we're coming having received his truth about ourselves repenting for the deficiencies receiving his grace to change in those areas and now we're able to come to him with great confidence boldness when we need faith when we pray the word of God comes to us we can hear the word that God did this for this person in the Bible. The Lord reveals his nature that he is one who blesses his people. It's his good pleasure to prosper his people. The Lord is near to those who are of a broken and contrite heart. Broken spirit, contrite heart. And as we pray, these words of God come to us and our faith grows stronger and the faith is the hand that is able to receive answers from God the connection of integrity the connection of genuine confession to God the connection with knowing where we stand and correcting the areas in which we need to get corrected to the word of God that is to have that connection where we are able to know that I, I can handle the word and worthy to be able to receive the word and use the word because it takes faith to believe the word and if sin is there faith cannot be God gives us faith when we have integrity through the word and that bolsters our prayer life because faith must be present when we petition the Lord knowing that he is a diligent 
uh, he does reward those who diligently seek him. When we pray with integrity, when we pray with our hearts right, when we pray because we have taken the time to come before the Lord and say, Lord, examine me. Help me, Lord. Great changes can happen in a person's life. Big changes. But the person actually begins to walk like the Lord and God will give his thoughts to them. At the end of Revelation, you see the Lord says, Surely I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his deeds. Let the unjust, let him that is unjust, stay unjust still. Let him which is filthy, stay filthy. Let him which is righteous, stay, stay righteous. Let him which is holy, remain holy. We're able to cross over to the other side from being self-deceived or partially in tune with God when we are able to shut out every voice even even our closest companions and even our own voice because why every man's way is right in his own eyes it's possible it's very possible to not have a proper assessment of myself but I have the assurance that when I come to God, He will tell me exactly where I stand. When God is good. He will not always strive, it says. He remembers our frame. We're just dust. Our constitution as human beings are extremely fragile. Every one of us. There's only so much we can take. God knows that. And so He never, ever overloads us. He's always there to help us in the most difficult times. But through the process, God wants us to come out as gold. There's a refining, there's a burning away of impurities. Things that just do not fit the Christian life. And we can carry a host of those impurities. Insincerity and, and other things. And never think much of it until we really come to God and say, Lord, I want to have power with you. I want to have power in prayer. Psalm 66, 18. I don't want to have iniquity, Lord, of any sort. We come for that daily checkup. Now, imagine those people who never gone to dentists for years and years. Typically, the dentist will be horrified. In my case, actually, I've had that experience. I've probably gone to the dentist maybe a maybe a half dozen times in my lifetime. And I remember the last time I believe I went some maybe twenty years ago plus they were shocked that I hadn't gone at that time for some five, six, seven years perhaps before that. But by God's grace, they couldn't find anything really wrong with the teeth. By God's grace, 
only by God's grace. But the point is that whether it's a dentist or an examination with a physician, if the person is able to take care of himself or herself, then there's no fear that the person has not met the protocol that every six months you have to do this or every month or every year. It may be a good thing, but not necessarily absolutely required for everyone. After all, people have gone generations without consulting physicians or even annually, but they were very disciplined in their habits, some of them. When they did finally get their checkup, maybe after decades, it was a clean bill of health in every area. But when it comes to the human soul, we cannot miss a checkup with a great physician. He diagnoses our hearts. He lets us know exactly where we stand. We need the Lord to treat us. And He will bless us. That's why at the beginning I said, what a, what a blessing it is. What a, a supreme blessing, immeasurable. The benefits of having the living God as our own Father. He's the best Father. He knows exactly how to take care of us. He knows how to correct the wrong. Gently He instructs us and He blesses us. He comes after us because He loves us. He wants us to prosper. What father wouldn't want the child to prosper? What father would say, listen, child, you don't want to listen to my instructions, so I want you to listen to this. I'm not going to instruct you anymore. You can keep your room any way you want. You can have the whole place turned upside down. You can bring soda pop into your room and popcorn and eat that all day long. Do whatever you want because you don't want to hear what I have to say. So I'll watch TV here and you do what you want. And when you're old enough, just go find your own place. We think that parent is absolutely unworthy of the very title or calling or privilege of being a parent. Most people would agree. Anyone in their right mind would agree. But the parent that sees resistance and dishonesty or disregard would pursue that child and step up the measures, whatever it takes to get across to the child that this is out of genuine love and for the child's welfare, for the future of that child and really begin to be more diligent in trying to get to the child to get his or her attention. How much more the father with us. God won't be happy with runaway kids because his kids, his children are supposed to be in his house. His children are given the best heaven has to offer. His children are elite, part of God's army, soldiers in training, as well as children of the king, royal. Everything that a human soul can possibly need to be perfectly satisfied, this thing that is elusive, people would say peace is elusive. Where can you find peace? There's nowhere, it seems. 
from the pandemic to wars, rumors of wars to feuds in different places and government locally and nationally, internationally in the family person goes to work trying to find peace and something happens and disrupts the peace they try to come home and try to find peace try to find peace and something happens there they try to go to the beach and try to find peace to the mountains they do rollerblading and they go to the Broadway shows they go to dinners and seems to be elusive just can't seem to find it so might as well settle for what you can get even if it's a pretense and then people go and they find that there's no satisfaction anywhere the person who lusts can never get enough of immorality that's the truth it's a self-perpetuating monster that promise to satisfy with whatever avenue the devil offers but it only makes a bigger void in the person's soul and a greater disgust for life under the pretense of having quote-unquote fun the person who drinks can never get enough same thing with drugs the same thing with going after fashion how much clothing can you get and how many magazines must you read and how many fashion gurus must, must you consult to just look your best quote unquote it's a never ending quest for those who are led by the devil in that avenue same thing with money popularity where is the satisfaction it comes only to the believer to be perfectly satisfied is possible first of all it's not some Shangri-La as they say in one of the literary masterpieces they call them this place this utopia where somebody can escape to seems everything is fine there everything is perfect well there's no such thing sorry to tell you but it's a great tale and that's why the book sells because people are longing for it and at least they can have a a fictitious one but there is something better than the best utopia man can write about or invent it's heaven it's a true place there's a living God who's the king of heaven and earth and the whole universe and that God promises perfect satisfaction who else can guarantee that? no one that God of peace promises perfect peace perfect strength perfect help just when we need it it all hinges on whether we can come to him and say Lord I want you to perfectly diagnose me you're the perfect physician I need to know exactly what I've been carrying all these days how I've been consoling myself that everything's okay with me when as I come close to you and to your word I see a whole bunch of things need to change but the happiness is there that I'm getting diagnosed and coming for the checkup that I can't
can never afford to miss with a great physician every day and my health can be flourishing day by day the Bible says in the New Testament though the outward man perishes the inward man is renewed day by day in other words this body will fail as we age we go through different things but the part of us the real us the real you the real me once the external tent is put off the body will go on forever flourishing shine as the stars of heaven as the sun and then clothed with a new body as is written in 1 Corinthians 15 we have in these earthen vessels a treasure Christ and this clay vessel is supposed to be held with dignity and used to glorify God and the focus is it's a vehicle in a temple but the God who dwells in the body and the soul would will at one point dispose of this body in exchange for a new body and he will tabernacle with all of us one day permanently if we know where we stand before God and we ask him Lord I'd like to have this perfect bliss I've heard about perfect peace but I don't seem to have much of it that's an honest confession to the Lord and the Lord will show us why we don't have much of it and if I don't have satisfaction no matter what I have received and what I am part of God will show us where is that disconnect where that disconnect is and what he does is he comes and bandages our wounds but he also comes and helps us to heal and get that foreign substance out that which is uh, damaging us and harming us this verse is so important that we've come back to it for at least a second time if we can understand how valuable it is that we have someone a living God who does weigh hearts he doesn't act like a parent who doesn't care who gets frustrated but he loves us he pursues us and he chastens us out of his love because he wants the soul to be saved he wants to make sure that the part of us that's going to go on forever is in good standing with him so that we can live forever with him and he's forever helping us to hold and take everything in stride as far as this earth is concerned in this life to be diligent in what he gives us to do to be happy that physical Canaan that was given to Israel was God's great delight to scout out that land flowing with milk and honey and then divide it up exactly as he wanted and they were blessed 
Each person had their own lot. They had plenty. God was happy, very happy. And they were happy until they began to become insincere and become hypocritical. And little by little, they began to exchange the divine happiness, the perfect happiness for cheap substitutes. They began to get drugged up by the false things the devil had to offer through the surrounding people. And they all together began to despise God's presence and didn't want him to come and give them a checkup because he loved them. They didn't care about his love. And he said, all day long I was sending you my prophets. I had my hand stretched out to you early in the morning, he said. Early in the morning I have my hand stretched out to you. Sent the prophets to you to speak to you. What did you do? You stoned them, you killed them. My people, you have blood on your hands. Jesus says in Matthew 23 to the Pharisees, he said, you say that if we were living in our father's days, we would not have killed the prophets. Jesus says, so you testify that you are the children of those murderers. You're no different. The Diagnosis God gives varies from person to person, obviously. Not everyone is a murderer, not everyone is an adulterer, not everyone is a thief. But everyone has sin. And when we become Christians, the opportunity to sin is not taken away, but we're in a probation period. God sees whether we will overcome sin through the almighty power he's given us in Christ or we will choose to toy with it make excuses and try to flock with people who make us think they were okay but when we want to know the real state we can go to God and he'll show us even with the Pharisees the Lord spoke he preached but with the number of them, it came to a point where it became apparent that even if they were given a million years, they were set on being fake. Thank God that we are called to be genuine. When God sees that. He can work with us. It starts with tears of genuine repentance a feeling of total remorse but also accompanied by doing whatever it takes to burn that bridge back to Sodom and Gomorrah back to the old country where we came from the land where we were our own gods we came and submit ourselves to God the living God and we do whatever it takes and that's the proof God sees of the genuine remorse repentance and as God shows us one by one he may show a Christian you can completely overcome sin he'll show that to everyone actually through the word 
But in this case, you keep failing. I want to show you why. Because you have not prepared your heart to seek me like you should. There were kings in the days of the Old Testament period. They were commended because it was written that they prepared themselves to seek the Lord. Even Ezra, the priest, prepared himself to seek the Lord. That means I check my priority priorities for the day and even the activities I do in the name of the Lord, there's a growth. And God is so patient. He's so loving. I thank God. He's the best. There's no one patient like Him. No one more loving than Him. He loves us so much, He will work with us. So long as we don't have this thing called pretense and hypocrisy, come to put on a show before God. If we come to God and say, Lord, I'm a mess because I thought I was reading the Bible, but I was really going through the motions, Lord. Oh, help me, Lord. Or, Lord, when I pray, I allow myself to get distracted and I call it a day. Say that I've, I can tick off that box. I prayed once or twice or three times or whatever during the day. But I see my prayers really are not the kind of prayers that should be prayed, Lord. Or the spirit behind it, there's no faith. Oh, God, what have I been doing? Lord, my value system is wrong. My entire way of thinking of spiritual things and Lord, about church and knowing the difference between the truth and lies and it's all jumbled up and I'm, I've been caught up in that. Now, I really need your help, Lord. Would you disentangle me from this mess? God can work with such a person. Rather than the one who comes with medals all over their shirts, saying, the Lord, you know, I did this, I did that, I am like this. God will say, go away, take off your self-righteous medals and come back to me and I can help you get the real medals. Hallelujah. The real trophies. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. God comes along and he weighs the hearts. I'm extremely forever grateful to the Lord that he never ever told me something to flatter me or something to condemn me when I came to him sincerely. He always took me gently and talked to me. He does that with all of us, doesn't he? The only thing that needs to happen for God to talk to us and to help us become more like Jesus, truly, truly, is for us to make the time, make room in our hearts for Him by deciding, I want to be real, not fake. And then what God will do is He'll have us open the closet and He'll point out all the filthy rags that are there and says, this is not for you. Let's get rid of this. I want to give you the real royal clothing, my righteousness. And uh, over here, this is not the way you climb up the success ladder. No. Let's get rid of that. Let me give you the real promotion. 
that lasts forever. The true success. And this is not the way you deal with your hormones, as I, we've seen. It's a tragedy, really. People writing books, even couples and men and women individually. How a man's brain is wired this way, and, and so what? He has to be a dog. Essentially, that's what they say. In so many words with so-called Christian psychology, a man is wired for intimate physical relationship continually. He's got to have it. If not, you're depriving him of being a man. Is that so? It's essentially what's come out. And a woman's like this, and so, of course, God made both genders with a certain constitution. It's not to be perverted and twisted to the extent that a person thinks or is led to think that there's nothing wrong with a person who continues to lust because he's a man. Is a dog better than a man? Did God make man his image or not? We can say the people who are possessed with evil spirits do that. But for the believer, if a believer is doing that, that person, if they have any integrity, really called a believer, can know at once I'm carnal, I'm extremely in the dark. I need to get out. It's a pit. God help me. Save me from myself, Lord. Help me to be pure and holy. And they say women like to talk a lot. So does that mean it's okay to gossip? They can't help it? And the teenager is going through the hormonal changes. Doesn't mean all of a sudden the teenager has to drink and do drugs and it's part of growing up, coming of age. This is the religion of Babylon and Canaan, Sodom and Gomorrah. But God comes and checks us and he shows us what is the truth and where our hearts are. And there are many, many believers today. The moment someone points out, maybe you need to change in this area, the self-defense comes up. They take their karate stance, kung fu stance, ready to shoot a kick or a roundhouse. The very person who comes to try to help them to really face themselves and change. When we're humble and honest, we can come to God. I'd like to add a fourth word as we conclude today. Not only in the light of Proverbs Proverbs, pardon me, Proverbs 21.2 with the entire book of Proverbs and the whole word of God. We've said that it's very important to have honesty. If that's not there, everything's lost. There's no forward motion at all. But with honesty, the humility to listen for the correction and then change our ways and reprioritize and then check the degree to which our hearts are really involved 
when we do read the Bible and pray and when we do attend meetings where God is present, honesty, humility, and then this holiness, to be separated from all that is evil, to know that we don't belong with this world's way of doing things at all whatsoever, from its advertising to its pursuit of relationships and how to work this or work that, that gain this. God's ways are opposite to the way the world does things. And we need to know that we have a clear boundary established, received from God. We don't cross that line. We stay in the land of righteousness in every one of our dealings. Whether it's in the home or in the marketplace. The fourth word I'd like to add is absolute requirement. Keeping in line with the H's, honesty, humility, holiness. The fourth word is the Hebrew word, hesed. Essentially it means loving, kindness, or love, mercy. Honesty is the foundation. The very first part of the foundation, I should say. Then humility must be there because if one's honest, they acknowledge, you know, I'm, I really do need help. But when the help comes, they refuse it. I'm not taking that right now. I'm not taking that part. All is lost. But genuine humility will say, I can see exactly that I'm a mess in this area or in these areas areas and if this is what I need to do to change I'm going to close my mouth and listen and start working do what I'm told the third thing is holiness as I am honest admitting the problem and then taking measures by listening I also understand that the whole nature my entire being is not a question of changing one thing or another thing, a few things, but I need to understand my identity. That as a believer, I'm holy. I'm something different from the people of this world. Absolutely different. I'm from above. And so there's a desire and dignity to want to reflect my Heavenly Father. And I refuse all that would seek to contaminate me. I don't need everything to be spelled out specifically because I've gained the principles based on my identity. It just doesn't fit who I am in Christ. And the spiritual intuition will be there by the Spirit of God. If that's not there, then I can easily revert back to my old ways getting frustrated because I can try to change things for a while and not knowing who I am where's the impetus, where's the motivation, where's the drive if I don't really believe that I'm a citizen of another country of a better country, of heaven that I'm a pilgrim down here then it will be a struggle the fourth thing is with all that I tried to be in righteousness before God, without love, everything is lost. I can, I can 
uh, speak mysteries with the tongues of men and of angels. I, I may be able to speak in the language of mankind, maybe one language, two language, languages, or maybe all languages. Even if that were possible, to speak every known language and spend a lifetime trying to learn it, if that were possible. And then in addition to that, also to be able to speak the language of angels that are beyond this earth. With all of that, if I don't have love, God's kind of love, and the Hebrew has said in the New Testament, agape, divine love. I just become a noisy, clanging symbol before God. Even if I have the gift of tongues, if I don't have God's love, if I don't have God's love, I can have the gift of prophecy and speak all kinds of mysteries. Wow, everybody. Amazing insights. The heart of Jesus full of compassion for God, to love Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. That's not the pursuit and increasing in that area. Then everything else becomes futile. A person can even have all the TV cameras to say, look, I'm, I'm about to give my life. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to give my life, yes. I know I have a lot going for me, but I'm going to give my life for this cause or that cause, or even for these people. How is it possible? You can see people rushing to a scene of an emergency because their job taught them how to handle it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they had love even if they make the ultimate sacrifice. The Lord says, what's the state of the heart? What is the motivation? Even when the Lord says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his neighbor or his brother. He sees love. And so he says, in that instance, but according to, according to 1 Corinthians 13, person can even give the body to be burned even give all they have to the poor and it's possible to do that heroic thing quote unquote in the sight of people in the sight of God be a zero not a hero because real compassion was not there it was more of a heroic feat so the diagnosis is sharp and it's accurate and God comes to us that we need honesty humility Holiness and the Hesed, H E S E D. It's loving kindness as a disposition. I want to love. I want. I really got to love. I have to love my spouse, the way Jesus loves me. I want to love my children the way Jesus loves me. I have to love my neighbors as Jesus loves me. Even my enemies, the people that I can't stand, I've got to have the compassion of Jesus. Otherwise. It's all in vain. We've spoken about the first three to a great extent in past messages. Honesty, humility, holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. 
Integrity, honesty has to do with righteousness. The person doesn't have that. If their righteousness doesn't exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, religiosity and externals, they're not making to the kingdom of heaven. Not making to heaven, God said. It's the humble that God will draw near to, not the proud. So humility is indispensable. And without love, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians 13. What is the nature of God's love? It suffers long. How we need the Holy Spirit to work this in us. We need His help. But it's written here that love is patient. Love is kind. Hesed. This loving kindness. Indispensable fourth quality for a person on their way, his or her way to heaven. To be an authentic Christian. To press in and say, Lord, do I have these qualities? How much honesty do I have, Lord? Maybe the Lord will bring up to your mind, in this case, you are not honest. Maybe when you said something, you were not as honest as you should have been. You made a transaction that was not so honest. Maybe you deceived someone close to you in different ways. And we come to God and God says, I can move that from you. I can give you the real thing. Humility may be a struggle, like a yo-yo up and down. Sometimes humble, sometimes not. With certain people, humble, yes. Others, no. There are certain people who carry racial prejudice. It's deep in their veins. Others who carry prejudice based on people's status financially. It's a sad thing. We have to know that we're nothing. Anything good we have is from God. We need to be humble. and not have a haughty eye or despising look toward anyone. So God can diagnose that and help us to be more like Jesus when we confess, Lord, I need more humility. And then the third thing, the holiness. How holy are we? What does it mean? My identity? No wonder I can't watch certain things that other quote-unquote Christians watch on TV, even a simple show. You can't do this and I'm careful with my diet and careful with this. Why? Because I belong to Jesus. I belong to another body, the body of Christ. The body is holy. The temple is holy, says in Corinthians. First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, individually and corporately. I understand my identity. And the Spirit of God helps me work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. It may be very odd and very even prudish from this point of view of others who are not walking right and they call themselves Christians. They're actually deluded. But we're not here to please man, we please God. And we maintain that holy character. Would Jesus be pleased to watch the sitcom? Would he be pleased to go to this particular amusement park or this place? 
Many a person in the world say that's legalism. You might as well leave the world if you can't do the things that we all have to do. We have to go out. We have to do this. We have to have dinner there. We have to go to this thing. We have to catch a movie here. They're all deluded, intoxicated. We don't have to do anything if God doesn't want us to do it. And many things He prohibits because the Lord will not be honored in those places. He'll be dishonored in our allegiances to the King, our Lord. There are many, many things that we do as believers that are completely satisfying, wholesome, total blessing that the world knows nothing of. They can't understand it and neither can lukewarm believers because they are worldlings. They're attached to this world. They want to have one foot in heaven, one foot with the world. And so that holiness is important without which no man shall see the Lord, Hebrews twelve fourteen. These things are indispensable. The fourth thing is the hesed. Love is patient. Hesed is patient. Agape. Hesed in the Hebrew, agape. In the New Testament, it's parallel. It doesn't envy. It's patient, kind, doesn't envy. Love does not pray itself. We will be put into situations God will allow to test the quality of our love, the degree of it, so that He can help us because we can think that we're right in our own eyes. Proverbs 21 two. I'm a pretty loving person. And then He shows us that the kind of love He's talking about is his love. And I can go to God and say, Lord, I'm such a far cry from that place. Help me, Lord. And he'll say, put yourself to death. Not suicide, but self-renunciation, self-denial. And then you can take up the cross and live like me. Follow me. A lot of prayer and a lot of crying out to God and a lot of time in the Word and a lot of hope and faith faith in what God promised that I am an overcomer but it's not a blanket statement or a declaration with empty hearts behind them but knowing exactly how to get to that place God has shown me how to do it I'm going to be diligent because these are indispensable love is does not parade itself look at me is not puffed up arrogant does not behave rudely. This hesed that we need to have doesn't seek its own. Personal gain, what can I get? Is not provoked. The word easily is not there. They inserted in the King James, but the Greek easily is not there. It's just simply love is not provoked. Doesn't mean that we can't be provoked to righteous indignation, but it's talking about this anger and annoyance that comes because somebody's done personal harm to us or annoyed us. There's a growth that God is looking for He'll help us with. We need Him desperately. God will help us. Love the type that doesn't get provoked. The type of love that thinks no evil, doesn't keep a record of evil. How hard that is when someone's been wronged repeatedly by the same person. 
humanly speaking, through Christ, I can do it. Because it's no longer about me. It's about Him, what He told me to do. To have His heart in forgiveness. First Corinthians 13.6 Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. The gifts will fail, not that they're inadequate for God's use now, but there will be no need for prophecy in heaven, no need for tongues, because we're going to know exactly as God knows us. It's for a duration, but the love, it's forever. The world thinks it knows about love, puts heart signs and arrows through the heart and all kinds of big ostentatious expressions of so-called love. But you see the people who display that external love with the most endearing colors and warm teddy bears and hugs and kisses and valentines and all these things that the world has. You see them rude. You see them seeking their own puffed up, envying. Different elements are there that show that the kind of love that they think is love and they put love forever is actually not divine love at all. It's the kind of love that doesn't last not only in eternity, but doesn't even last here. And we see the evidence of that in many, many relationships breaking up. But when God comes in, the divine love comes, people forgive and they make room for the other person to be different than what they expect to forgive forbear encourage pray God begins to mold both parties begins to make them one in spirit because the spirit of God is at work love does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Honesty, humility, holiness, has said, just to keep with the H's there, for easier memory. Has said meaning loving kindness or love. We want God to diagnose us. And just these four areas, pillars of the authentic Christian life, If we kneel before the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, these four indispensable qualities without which I cannot make it to heaven, Lord. It's your blood that has washed me and made me fit to receive these graces. These graces. But it's up to me to cultivate them and to stay in them, to reflect your nature, to abide in you, to walk like you. Lord, will you diagnose me, give me a checkup? What do you see, Lord, when it comes to honesty? What is my BMI? Or what is my cholesterol level? What is my fitness level? 
Lord, are my restorations in keeping with the standard? Spiritually, it's the most important thing. Again, it's the protocol, this examination protocol, the frequency that we can never afford to miss even one. We may miss our regular physician's appointments and dentist appointments and miss some days at the gym and feel all worked up about it. So keen. Many, many people are extremely keen on those things. But as believers, our top priority is our spiritual health. And it's a free checkup every day from one who sees us better than any x-ray. and has the medicine that provides a total cure. Blessed be the rock. Now we pray. Father in heaven, help us, Lord, to be broken before you always, to love you, Lord. You are a help, O Father, O Father. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the truth. Lord, we want to be right, and then we can have power with you. Our prayers can be effective. Oh, Lord, you said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Surely righteousness is connected to those, these four qualities. This honesty and humility, holiness, and has said. And I pray that each one of us, Lord, would take stock of how many checkups we're getting with the great physician. And whether we are appreciative of your mercies, which you know every morning, and determined to be spiritually fit, to do great exploits in your name, Lord, for the kingdom of God, for you, the glory of your name, the honor of your name. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for ministering healing to our souls, our minds, our Father, and our bodies. Heavenly Father, pray continue to heal anyone who's sick, O oh Father. Thank you for joining us together as the body of Christ to intercede for one another. And thank you, Lord, for helping us to, Lord, even through this night, Lord, with some difficulty, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for quite a while. We had much freedom and joy. I thank you for the Spirit of God moving. I thank you for helping others who are going through sickness and afflictions from the enemy. There's a greater glory ahead. Lord, the spiritual warfare is intense when the stakes are high and the enemy knows it. I thank you for teaching us to endure. Lord, teaching us to make sure that we come to you for the checkup, keep our hearts right, then we can have power with you, and our God will come down and defend those whose hearts are loyal to him. Thank you, Lord, as we heard but Hezekiah last night. You're looking for people that are prepared to meet you. I thank you, Lord, for preparing us to be victorious and 
accomplish, Lord, much in the days that we've been allotted, not to waste even a moment, but to seek the Lord our God, to love you with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. Thank you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen.